Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. Amen. Well, we're going to start this morning. We've got a a message for you today. It's called uh, Three Types of Discipleship. And so we're going to be talking today about uh, relational discipleship. As we started last week, I believe it's important that we understand what God's Word says concerning that. How many know we live in the time and the hour where it's not enough just to be uh, one who believes? You have to be a disciple. Amen? And so we're going to turn to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. And I want to start with... uh, what David says here. Now, David, um, I love David because David is very, um, David is always sharing his heart. He's being real. How many know it's important to be real? Sometimes it's important to share where we're really at so we can bring ourselves out of that place. And he says here in uh, verse 25 of Psalm 119, he says, my soul clings to the dust. And, I, I, and this is really an analogy here, understanding now that the soul is the mind, the emotion, and the will that he's in a dry place. How many have ever been in a dry place? We just sang about revival, and, and he, he realized he was in a dry, a dry place. It's important for us to realize when we've gotten a little dry, right? You know, how many know when you're, you know, you got to realize when the bread's dry. You don't pack it in your kid's lunch or it comes home, right? You, you have to make sure the bread is fresh. And, and, and it says here, he says, revive me according to your word. Revive me according to your word. I have declared my ways to you, and you answered me. All right, there's, there's one way we need to realize that um, God wants to revive us, but we need to be revived according to God's word. All right, God's word revives us. God's word empowers us. God's word changes us and transforms us. Now, my computer keeps turning off of me, so... Got some kind of setting set up here. But the thing is, uh, he says, revive me according to your word. I have declared my ways and you answer me. Then he says, teach me your statutes. And then verse 27, make me understand the ways of your precepts. So shall I meditate on your wonderful words. And so we need to realize that it's God's word that revives. In the Old Testament, David and all those who lived before the cross, they they would study the word because uh, uh, the word would bring life to them. Okay, uh, the word in the word in the scripture, they would find um, they would try find grace and truth for their life. That was the only way they could find it was to search the scripture. The word revive means to bring back to life. How many know that you know if if something isn't dead, you can't bring it back. And Paul and David was realizing here, I'm dry. I need to be brought back. Okay, and so he says, according to your word, I want you to bring me back. Now in the New Testament, we go to John chapter one. Verse 1, we'll bring that scripture up here. Now, the Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, right? And so we understand that Jesus is the Word. When we study the scripture, we're studying the revelation of Jesus. David and the Old Testament saints would search the scripture looking, looking for salvation, but we have salvation in the person of Jesus Christ. We see in John chapter 1, verse 14, it says here, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the grace and truth that they had to search for in the Torah, we have in Jesus. Can I hear an amen? amen. 
We see in John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, As many as received him, to them he gave the right. Say, I got rights. He gave you the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. So we have the right to become children of God. We've been bought with the, with, uh, bought with, uh, with the blood of Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? So we belong to Jesus. And so Jesus is the one who revives us. Je- when you get saved, Jesus revives your dead spirit. He makes you born again, right? But, but then as believers, we need to continue to keep ourselves revived by searching the scripture, looking to Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, okay? So as believers, we need to continue to do that. And when depression and anxiety and fear and darkness come into your life, you need to do what David did. What did David do? Let's look at Psalm 119, verse 28. He gives us an example here. He says, my soul melts. That word melts means drops from heaviness. He had some grief in life. How many have had grief? Okay, strengthen me according to your word. We need to understand that God's word will strengthen us. And so when you're going through darkness and depression, get into the revelation of Jesus because that will strengthen you. And David understood this, right? We see in Psalm 119, verse 49 to 50. It says, verse uh, 49 to 50. I don't know if I have, did I give you that one, that scripture? Let's see, 49 to 50. Remember the word to your servant upon which you have caused me to hope. This is my comfort in my affliction, for your word has given me life. Listen, if you're going through confliction, if you're going through an affliction, if you're going through a hard time, if you're going through trouble, guess what? God's word is your hope, right? God's word will strengthen you. God's word will give you comfort. He says here, this is my comfort and my affliction for your word has given me life. And so we see that God, that David, sorry, was passionate about the word of God, right? Uh, Look at this Psalm 119. Okay. Verse 82 says this. He says, my eyes fail from searching your word. Has anyone read so much that they they begin to lose their focus? David says, my eyes are failing. I want to read. I want to search the scripture. Man, if we would search the scripture and we were passionate about the scripture, we would have breakthrough in our life. Amen? And so let's look at what the result was for David. Okay, because we're talking about discipleship. In Psalm 119, verse 92 to 93, we see this. Oh, did I give you that scripture up there? Verse 92 to 93. Okay. He says, listen to what he says. Unless your law had been my delight. Do you know what, what, what it means to be a delight? You enjoy it, okay? Unless your law had been my delight, I would then have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. And here's the thing. He said, because I loved your word... The affliction that I was struggling with was taken care of. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what your affliction is. It doesn't matter what your trial is. It doesn't matter what sickness you're dealing with. Whatever your affliction is, whatever troubles come, and they come in many sizes and shapes, whatever that affliction is, if you would delight in the word of the Lord and allow God to teach you his ways and his precepts, guess what? You, 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 you can deal with the affliction. This is what David is saying, Old Testament saint. For by them you have given me Life. So how many would agree that there's life in this word? This is a living word. 
This book can change your life. You know, and I know you guys are probably getting tired of this story, but we understood that from the scripture that praise and worship is a tool of breakthrough. Okay? That's not going to shut down in this church. I don't care what is said, because praise and worship is breakthrough. Our daughter was diagnosed with arthritis and said she'd probably be crippled. We got before the Lord and sang and danced and worshiped the God in praise. And we, my wife and I knew it. We said, it happened. We went home. Our daughter was healed because we, we were obeying the precepts of the Lord. How many know we got to, the Bible says, sing unto the Lord, dance before the Lord, lift up holy hands. Okay. We will always do that because that's part of our faith. But what is discipleship? What is discipleship? Discipleship is a relationship between a person who assumes the role of mentor and another person who assumes the role of apprentice. Okay? And that can be plural. But it's really someone is a mentor and another is an apprentice. Discipleship is a process of learning to live the life of faith and obedience to Jesus through relationship with other Christians. Jesus tells us in Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have given all authority, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. What a wonderful promise. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 to 2. Paul is discipling Timothy. He says, Timothy, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God has given you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. And so he, he was saying, teach the truth so that it will be passed on to the next generation. And so we have to understand in discipleship, there's three areas we need to grow in, say three areas. And so these are the three areas that we need to grow in, in order to be healthy and develop properly. The first one is we need to flourish emotionally. So it has to do with the heart. Revive me, O Lord, according to your word. We have to be passionate about the Lord. The love of God has to be in our life, has to be affecting our lives. So we need to flourish emotionally. That, say that's a heart thing. But secondly, we need to grow in what we know. That's a head thing. So some people have a big heart for people and they have a heart for God, but they don't know anything in the scripture. How many know you need both? The third thing is we need to demonstrate in doing something. That is a hand thing. Say a hand thing. So we need to be discipled in the head, in the heart, and in the hands. There's three areas that we need to operate and grow in if we're going to be mature and healthy. Now, this also applies to business. It applies, it applies to raising your kids. It, it, it applies to any area of life where there's an apprenticeship or a passing on of information. So this doesn't just apply to our Christian walk. It's all areas of life. How do we raise our kids? How do we run our businesses? How do we work with other people? We have to understand there's three areas, say three areas. All right. And so the most important thing as a follower of Christ, and we have to understand that no two people are discipled the same way. 
And some people need a little more love and say, look at your neighbor, say, do you need more love? Right? Some people need more knowledge. They need some more time to to learn about Scripture. You know, we have people that uh, are hands-on people. They're going out and they want to share the gospel, but they don't know any Bible verses. They need some head knowledge, okay? There's a balance in discipleship. Say there's three areas. So we're going to cover those three areas of discipleship. And the first one is relational discipleship. It's one of our core values. You hear us talk about it all the time. And the relation, relational discipleship, this type of discipleship is the mentor is focused almost entirely on the apprentice's personal relationship with and his or her attitude towards Jesus. Okay, this, this goal is to help the person being discipled to believe in and experience the person of Jesus Christ at work in his or her life. It's experiential. You need to, you need to experience relationship with Jesus. That's the first one. It's, it's the most casual kind of discipleship, and it often happens uh, in the context of every day. It's when you're at work. It's when you're at school. It's when you're walking down the street. And this type of discipleship happens whether you're aware of it or not because people are watching how you relate, right? And so when I was in Bible school, I was working at a company named, called Slimline. It was a big factory. Pastor Jacques, my father, was there working. He was my boss. He was over a bunch of people there as well. We ran a machine shop in this big window factory. And so, of course, I was in Bible school and I was passionate about God. And so I'd go to work and I'd say, okay, I got to teach everybody about Jesus. I got to teach them, give them my testimony. So I had a big mouth and I was kind, but I was sharing all the time. And many people didn't want to hear it. But I didn't understand relational discipleship. One of the days that I was getting persecuted, my dad, you know, they would sit and make fun of us sometimes. And I was sitting in the office and outside of the office, it was a weird office because there was like a window that was half open. It had an air conditioning unit in the window. How many have one of those in your window at home, right? It's an air conditioning unit. When you turn it on, it blows hot air out the back. So I'm sitting in the office. I'm like, it's hot. So I turned the air conditioner on. And Armando, who is this Italian guy, is, and he's a big guy, he's sitting on the other side of the window with his head up against the air conditioner. And I blast him with his hot air. And he jumps up. He was having a bad day. And he bursts in the office. He says, what's wrong with you? You're... And he started yelling at me and screaming at me. And I said, what's wrong with you? And I was having a bad day. How many had a bad day? So here I am. Uh, so I grab him. And we're wrestling around the office. The moment I latched arms with him, because I used to be into martial arts, and I realized, I'm not supposed to do this anymore. This is not good. What am I doing? But it's too late. I'm committed. He's mad. So now i got to defend myself. We're linked in the arms. We're moving around the office. We're banging tables over. People in the factory look over and they say, oh, the Bible school guy, he's, he's fighting in the office. And, and we're, we're linked in arms. And I'm like, what, how do I get out of this? Because now I realize I'm in the wrong. But if I, if I step back, he's going to knock me. So I'm holding on to him. And it was violent. Like, it was bad. How many know I wasn't aware? You know, Jesus said that we're to turn the other cheek. Jesus said, you know, if someone, you don't return evil with evil, return evil with good. And he, he gave us all these really good principles, right? But I didn't apply any of them in the moment. And here I am 
wrestling. And then I thought, how am I going to get it? And then I see Pastor Jacques coming around the corner. I said, oh, he's going to rescue me. This is awesome. Pastor Jacques is here. So my dad, he comes in. He goes, what are you doing? And he clotheslines Armando. <laughs> and then Armando's on the ground. And then we're all wrestling. And, and I thought, oh, my goodness. And the people in the factory are like, the pastor just clotheslined him, right? And how many know you can have a bad day? I mean, I was having a bad day. Everything was going wrong that day. And that was the moment I realized discipleship isn't just passing on what I know. It's how I respond and how I love and how I care. And all of us have blown it. There's times when, you know, you're, I was at work and I would catch myself in a conversation with a group of people about another employee that wasn't, wouldn't be pleasing to the Lord. How many hear what I'm saying? And I've had to stop myself. You know what? I'm going to remove myself from this conversation. Because people are watching you no matter what. So we need to have relational discipleship. We have to be aware of how we're doing. Anyone had an experience like that? (laughs) New people in faith are watching your experience with Jesus. They're watching how you respond. In the church service, are, are you just standing there during worship, you know, sad like you just drank lemon juice? Or are you like smiling and worshiping and singing? People are watching. You know, are you revived? Are you on fire? Are you passionate? Because people want to know, how do you pray? Let me teach you how to pray, Jesus said. And he gave them a passionate prayer to pray, Right? For most unbelievers, this is the starting point. This is where most people start. And God knew that because he says they will know you because of your love for one another, right? And so, so here's the thing. When people come into the church, do they say, hey, that was a really friendly church. People said hi. Or do they come in and say, I felt like I was walking into a clique and nobody said hi and I'm not comfortable there. We want them to know that we're discipling people all the time relationally, Right? Do people feel love when they're around you? And if not, we need to pray. Like David, say, God, revive me. Like I'm going through some dry time here. God, I need you to revive me according to your word. Make me alive again on the inside. Let's just stand up and let's pray that right now. Let's pray that right now. I'm going to wake you guys up. Here we go. Say, heaven, I'm just going to pray. Father, I just pray, God, right now that you would revive us, God. Even as David came and he said, revive us according to your word. God, I pray that you would arrive, that you would revive any dry spirit places in us, God, so that we would be passionate about you, God, that you would restore that passion, God. As we study the scripture, as we look at Jesus, God, would you revive in us that fire and that passion that we need, God, so that everywhere we are, the love of Jesus is coming out in relational discipleship in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So the second area is knowledge discipleship. Knowledge discipleship. The mentor An apprentice spend time reading through books of the Bible, studying doctrine, discussing specific topics like the Trinity, the life and death, the resurrection of Jesus, spiritual growth and obedience. The goal is to learn what the Bible teaches, why it's important, how how it should affect his or her life. And you can think of this as discipleship of the head, discipleship of the head. And during this phase, a mentor must be sure to continue with the relational discipleship while adding to it the knowledge discipleship, right? People, I know so many people have come and experienced God, but then they never stayed to grow and learn, and they just go off the deep end or they leave the church. Anyone know anyone like that? And it happens, all right? 
A person can't grow in Christ if he or she doesn't know about Christ. And knowledge discipleship ensures that the apprentice is learning about Christ, while relational discipleship ensures that he or she is actually getting to personally know Christ. All right? And so an example of that is like when you take a growth, a growth track or a different type of discipleship 101 course or a Bible school course where you're learning what the Bible says. And these things are really important. The third type, and I think we lost our PowerPoints there. The third one is task-oriented discipleship. Task-oriented discipleship. That is the third one. All right? Where relational and knowledge orientation discipleship are focused typically on the matters of the heart and head, task-oriented discipleship is concerning with the matters of the hand. Okay? In this type of discipleship, the mentor is typically training the apprentice to do particular tasks or responsibilities, such as leading a small group, doing discussions, being on the worship team, ushering at church, you know, taking your neighbor up apple pie when they're discouraged and saying Jesus loves you. It can be anything, but you're doing something. You know, if you want to be a task-oriented disciple, come and help at Catherine's Kitchen, right? It's doing something for Jesus, all right? And it's very important. And we will continue more in weeks to come discussing um, what this looks like, all right? But in discipleship, there's always a mentor and there's always a disciple, and the thing is with life, each one of us should always be both a mentor and each one of us should always continue to be a disciple, right? So I'm discipling you, but I also am being discipled by someone who's mentoring me because we never stop learning and we always need accountability. It's so important in life. Amen? And so I'm going to cover here five steps of leadership development. And anyone who's taken any leadership mentorship courses, you'll see this. It's very common. The first one is, I do, you watch, and we talk about it. Okay? The second one is, I do, you help, and we talk. The third one is, you do it, I'm going to help you, and then we'll talk. The third one, fourth one is, you do it, I'm going to watch, and we'll talk about it. <laughs> Number five, you do it, Someone else watches. And so you see how what happens is you've apprenticed, you've taken someone, you've mentored them, you've walked through a situation with them, so then they know how to respond themselves at a later date. And I love in Scripture here, we see an example, a beautiful example of this, in Mark chapter 5, verse 39 to 42. Uh, how many know that Jesus showed up late? Well, actually, he never shows up late. To people, he was late. He was perfectly on time. Because a little girl needed healing, and she was very sick, and Jesus got distracted because he was going, you know, going somewhere, and all of a sudden, he had to heal someone with an issue of blood. We know that story. And so this little girl dies before he gets there. And we're going to pick up the story here in verse 39. It says here, when he came in, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead. The child is sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he put them all outside. Now, here's the thing. I, I have learned this. I've done quite a few funerals, been part of quite a few funerals. And it's not a good idea to put people out of the funeral when they're crying. Because if you do that, 
there's going to be a secondary funeral and you, it's going to be yours, right? You just don't do it. It's not kosher. It's not cool. Jesus says, oh, you know what? I can't deal with this. He puts them all out of the house. And, uh, and the only one there was a the mother and the father and Peter, right? And a few of the disciples. He took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. And then he took the child by hand and said to her, Talitha Kumi, which is translated little girl, I say to you, arise. And he, he, she comes out and back to life. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. And so here's a perfect picture of discipleship, because years later when Jesus was not on the earth anymore, Peter dealt with the similar situation. We read about this in Acts chapter 9, verse 39 to 42. And when Peter arose, he went in. Now, there was a woman, her name uh, was Dorcas. Now, I would never call my daughter Dorcas. I wouldn't recommend it. But that's what her name was. And uh, she died. And so Peter is going to deal with the situation. And when he came, he brought him to the upper room, all the, wind, all the widows stood by him weeping, okay, showing the tunics, the garments, which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside, you see? Like, you wouldn't do that unless you've seen it done. You, do, you know, we already talked about it. You don't, you don't do that at a funeral. But he saw Jesus do it. He said, I'm going to do what Jesus did. He's my master. He's my mentor. Put them all out. And then he knelt down and he prayed and turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. So we see him doing the same thing Jesus did. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave his hands to her and lifted her up. And when he had called on the saints and the widows, he presented her alive and it became known through Joppa and many believed on the Lord. Isn't that a good story? And so Peter was basically just doing what he was trained to do. And that's what we need to do. And so discipleship is so important. And in closing today, as a church, we're going to be focusing the rest of 2021 on trying to just nail down really good discipleship. We need discipleship for the women. We need discipleship for the men. We need it for the teens and the youth. And remember, it's threefold. It's the head, it's the heart, and it's the hands. And so we're going to be putting a focus there as a leadership team to put a better system together. But at the same time, in your personal lives, you have to have your own discipleship process. You have to be saying, Lord, what area do I need to grow in? Do, like David, do I need to, am I a little dry? Do I need to say, God, revive me? Revive me? I need my heart touched again? Do you, or do you have to say, Lord, teach me your ways? I need more knowledge? Or are you going to say, show me how to Go about and do it. Show me the, you know, how, what, what is, what's going on in our lives. And so here is one of the things we're going to do. Questions to ask this week. Here's your homework assignment. We'll bring that up. And you can, you can ask yourself this question. You can pray about it. Most of us already know. Do you need to work on relational discipleship? Do you have to say, God, revive my heart? Do you have to work on this area of knowledge discipleship? You just maybe not spending enough time in the scripture and you couldn't argue yourself out of a wet paper bag and you're saying, God, help me, right? We need, we need, to, we need to get in the word. We have to study. Don't beat yourself up, right? Just study. Teach me. Or do you need to work on task-oriented discipleship? Do you got to do something? Because you know what? If you've got the head knowledge and the heart knowledge, but you don't do something with it, guess what? You're going to dry up. Amen? 
Make me to know thy way, O God. And so let's stand. We're going to pray. Father, I thank you for every person here in this congregation, all those who are on the live stream. Father, there's three areas that you want us to be discipled in. You want us to be discipled in the head, in the heart, and with the hands. God, would you speak to our hearts this week, God, as we are in our quiet time with you? What area we need to put a little more focus on so that we can grow up to be mature and healthy and balanced in our maturity in Christ? Father, I pray for every person that's watching this by live stream, everyone who's in this place who, who says, my soul's never been revived. I, I don't know God. I don't have a relationship with the word. I don't have a relationship with Jesus. If that's you and you're watching, or if you're in this place, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I want to give you an opportunity to do so. I'm not going to call anyone to the front, but I'm going to ask this question. Who here has to make a decision? I want to know Jesus Christ. I want to have a relationship. I want to make sure that my eternity is secure. If that's you, I want you to just lift your hand, and we're going to pray in just a minute. All right, I see that hand. And those of you that are online, I can't see you, but God sees your hand. I want you to pray with me. Say, Heavenly Father, let's all pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to be my remedy to deal with my sin on the cross. Thank you for being my Savior. Would you come and live in my heart and change my life and be the Lord of my life? In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible says if you pray that prayer and you believe it in all, with all your heart, you will be saved. Amen? Awesome. Well, God bless you. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.